Hello, everyone. Hi. Welcome to a spooky episode of Two Girls, One Ghost. I'm not okay. I'm still not over the spider that was on my pillow. No, Sabrina, (laughs) we started to record and there was a spider behind her and it was there for quite some time. I'm not. She said, this is a moment I will remember for the rest of my life. It's true. (laughs) I'm not kidding when I say I remember every place that I have seen a spider. It's so, it's sickening. I understand. I've actually seen three in a row. (laughs) Three in a row, Sabrina. It's been three days. (gasps) Oh my God, it's three days. I don't like it. Three days and three (sighs) spiders. So you'll have another one tomorrow. No, please don't say that. Does Leia, can she eat them? Like what's going on? She probably can, but like, I don't want her to. Why do you have so many? I don't know. And I don't like it. It's, I, I... It's my whole body is cringing thinking about it. I'm not. Are your windows sealed properly? Are you bringing in cardboard boxes from outside? None of the above. And it was on my pillow. Of it was all on your pillow. Oh, God. Oh, oh, I feel dirty. Like I want to take a shower. Oh, God. What Ooh. is it? My hair? Do I? Did it lay eggs in my hair? <gasps> I think you have to shave your hair now. <laughs> think so too <laughs> i think you have to be bold oh no it's the only way to know for <laughs> sure okay let me look at my shaver <laughs> well this is two girls one ghost <laughs> two, girl, two girls <laughs> one ghost. and apparently three spiders <laughs> we are your ghostesses that's corinne hey and i'm sabrina and, and i'm inflicted by spiders and i have arachnophobia and it's and we're in quarantine so there's (laughs) nothing you can do i don't want to live with them i'm so sorry i didn't invite them into my house a kind of disgusting thought i had the other day quarantine (laughs) thought tell me was i was in the shower and you know we're not supposed to be touching like our face and stuff and you have to wash your hands so much and so now i've started as part of my shower routine at the very end of my shower after like five or 10 minutes of like really my hands being all sudsed and everything. I just really get like a good eye rub. Like I really get in there and just, I had the thought and I was like, wow, this is the quarantine version of rubbing one out. Like this. Oh my. This is my new normal. Can you do a comedy special, Corinne? <laughs> oh gosh. But yeah. Just think about that when your spider is off of you and get a good eye rub. You're making me want to rub my eye right now, but I can't. Sorry. I know. <laughs> Did you see Anna, Anna Kendrick, who is a actress and comedian? Uh, mm-hmm. She tweeted something about like, stop trying to make touching my face a fetish. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It really it's is. It's all you want to do. I will say I've one thing that I really liked about this time in my life is that I have not been using social media. I've been like away from my phone. Granted, I still have like 120 unread text messages. So maybe that's not great, but <laughs> I've just been spending so much time reading and doing you're responding puzzles. to my texts. So thank you. I do respond to your texts. You're, you're well, a VIP important person on my <laughs> phone. <laughs> There's like a siren that goes off when I text you. <laughs> Ghostbusters theme song starts playing. <laughs> oh, that's a good use of my time. Yeah, figure that out. Yeah. I like that for you, Sabrina. I like this life for you of of having a moment to reset and to Me too. do things off of social media. I need to pry my eyes away from screens. But it's yeah. kind of hard because I feel like 
I mean, you're on hiatus, which is kind of a scary time for any writer or person Mm -hmm. within television and film. And I know a lot of other people, especially people in the restaurant businesses and whatnot, have um, lost their jobs or slowed down in terms of work they have. And that's so scary and all of that. But it's like for people that aren't in those positions, for people who are lucky enough to still have their steady income and the those people saying like, oh, I have so much more free time. I'm like, where? How? <laughs> when? It's the commute. It's the lack of commute. Oh, I don't feel like I think my commute time has been filled up with longer work days. Like it's just now right. my work day starts earlier and ends earlier. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to I'm going to hop on the train with you and spend more time reading and like find a puzzle or I saw. Oh, I saw this. It was an Instagram ad. And I was like, God, this is so targeted and so wonderful. And I might order it. But there is this company, I wish I could remember the name now, but they give you like all of the knitting equipment that you need and like a whole, like you can knit yourself like a swirly sweater, like all of these, you basically can make your own clothes. Wow. That's great. You should do that. And there's also, there are a lot of, if you're looking for good puzzles, look up small businesses in your area and see if they sell puzzles because those are, that's a, oh my God, I don't know what my neighbors are doing. Maybe that's where all the spiders are coming. Maybe. Maybe they're poking little holes in the wall so that, and then pushing their spider friends through. Ew. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> you should go knock. Well, you can't because you can't be near people, but you should yell through the wall and stop sending your spiders yeah. over. And then they're going to be like, oh God, this, this she caught woman us. is. <laughs> or or I've lost my mind. <laughs> or they're going to think that you're not, that six days in quarantine. Well, it's been longer than that. But. It's so interesting. I started writing a, um, before any of this happened, I was working on a pilot and I had this idea for a pilot and it's kind of like a psychological experiment. And I won't say much more than that, but it's about isolation. And it's so wild that now I'm in isolation. So it's kind of like the perfect yeah. time to be writing this project because I'm living it. I've seen so many memes too about the Stanley Hotel, the shining like (laughs) what could go wrong a family in isolation for a week yeah yeah well everybody put out some good juju into the world for everyone for others for nurses doctors everyone who still is on the front lines fighting but then also just for your own individual space because now that you're spending more time in certain areas or around certain people energy shifts energy changes And there might be extra spookiness or anxieties or, you know, just sometimes like being around certain people just triggers, yeah, triggers stuff out of you. So just try to (laughs) take care of yourself. (laughs) Also, like my sister is a ER physician assistant. So she's going to the ER every day. And I am, I just feel so much pride and love for her. And I know she doesn't listen to this podcast, so she'll never hear this. So I can say all the sappy shit I want and she'll never know. Um, (laughs) We must make sure she never finds out. (laughs) But no, I just, there's something about this time and like her job, which is so difficult and trying and it's a, it's a hard job. It's scary, especially right now. And I just feel so much pride knowing that my sister's doing that. I'm just proud of her. She's doing her part. She's doing a great job. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm proud of her too. (laughs) (laughs) Proud of all of them. There's, you know, yeah, yeah, it's. It's amazing to see how our how the people in the world are like stepping up and yeah for sure and all the like people yeah just wow never mind cut that I don't know what I was. (laughs) 
You follow Ellen DeGeneres on oh my Instagram? God. Yes, it's been great. I didn't follow her before, but now I do because she's like showing us the real struggles when she tried to do that like 10,000 piece puzzle. And then she just after like on her third video of like, here's my puzzle progress. She was like, you know what? I'm not doing it. Why? Because I'm I'm not stupid. <laughs> like, like, you can't break me. And I was like, God, that's that's relatable. Everybody's like, I feel like I'm qu- I'm quicker now to uh, uh-huh. now that I've been and her phone calls. And, yeah. She'll like call people like on the couch. She's like, hey, guys, what's up? And they're like, nothing, nothing. Okay, cool. Call you back in an hour. (laughs) That was her. Yeah, Justin Timberlake and Jessica Biel. When Justin was like, all right, bye. Call me in an hour. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, that's so funny. So good. Uh, The Uh, internet has like, honestly, meme culture is thriving right now. It really is. It really is. And, you know, if anything comes out of this, so I think one silver lining is that everybody's hygiene has increased. Yeah. It's a good thing to pick up. Yeah, and people are going to practice some like good habit building and and whatnot. I think one personal stressor in my life is trying to hound in the seriousness of this with the older generation. Like, sorry, grandma and grandpa, don't go to church. Or like, mom and dad, you don't need to go to the grocery store all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. limit yourself, which they have now. No which one's doing good. anything that they shouldn't. But it was high stress for me for At a first. couple of days where everyone was like, well, we have to do this and that and prepare ourselves. And I was like, don't just <laughs> live off of what's been in the freezer for three years. <laughs> oh, gosh. And what I love is that people are listening to podcasts a lot. And that's why we are going to keep doing this thing because we are already quarantined when we record. We're already in social distancing. And... Ghost stories are a great thing to listen to when you're home alone and you're scared or you want to get scared because that's what ghost stories do. All right. This week we're doing haunted curses or just curses, I guess, because curses Curses. are already haunted. Curses fall underneath the paranormal uh, umbrella. Yeah. So yeah, we chose to do curses. We've done it once before, I think, in the the past and it's just so creepy. Uh, so we decided let's bring it back around and let's and do, do it some curses. And everyone already knows if you listen to our last week's encounters episode, you know what I'm doing. So and I can't wait. I've been like on the edge of my seat <laughs> waiting for this. Yes. And I chose this because like, so you remember when we talked about like Roanoke and even when you talked about Davlov Pass, like mm-hmm. the story is a little bit like the two of those kind of like a, a combo of this village that kind of sort of battles this unseen force. Some people vanish without a trace. There's just a bunch of events that unfold that are said to belong or be caused by a curse. A curse belonging to the Dudley family, which then spread to encompass all of Dudley Town. That's a a bummer. Huge, huge bummer. So in northwestern Connecticut, there's a small village called Dudley Town. It for a while was it's technically a part of a, a larger town and is not really a town of its own, but it's a small area, a village called Dudley Town. And this mm-hmm. area is surrounded by hills and the hills are actually, I, I believe there are three hills surrounding Dudley Town and it cloaks the township in darkness because these oh. hills are tall enough that it casts, they all cast shadows in a way that a lot of the area is very dark 
people have said that around noontime, it's nearly dark, which is supposed to be like one of the brightest times of day. That's scary. And the village, very. And it's it's covered with rocks. There's dense forest. There's woods all over the place. And so it's not like a great farming area or anything like that. And actually, this area was later referred to as the Dark Entry Forest. So that's super not, ominous. Yeah. Not the most inviting based on that description. No. But nevertheless, the town was founded as a small settlement back in the early, early 1740s. And the land was first owned by a man named Thomas Griffiths. And then in 1741, Thomas owned the land, but another man named Gideon Dudley moved like into the village. Gideon Dudley. Gideon. It sounds like a Harry Potter name. That's why you like it. it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know me uh, too so- well. <laughs> Gideon Dudley, he moves into the village, which uh, the town was then named after him because Dudley, Dudley Town. And mm-hmm. his two brothers also moved to the village. And these three Dudley men would go down. Dudley men kind of sounds like Dudley men, which Ooh. isn't too far off. But these Very. Dudley men would go down in history as the men who would bring the curse to this small town. And the reason behind the forever plagued land that is still to this day, the cursed Village of Dudley Town. Whoa. So what in the hell happened? Well, according to legend, the curse actually began far before the Dudley men ever made their way to Connecticut or even to the United States of America. So this curse first began in England in 1510. Their ancestor, Edmund Dudley, was beheaded after it was found out that he was part of a plot to overthrow King Henry VIII. Whoa. Along with the beheading, a curse was placed on the Dudley family, and this curse stated that all descendants of the Dudley family would be surrounded by horror and death, which, like, that's so broad. What does that even mean? Can you imagine being born into the Dudley family and being like, is this, like, a final destination thing? Is this lurking feelings of doom? Like, what am I I supposed to expect here? Yeah. Well... So what that meant at the beginning was generally some bad luck. So the Dudleys were experiencing some bad luck. There were, well, I guess with bad luck comes some death. And it it really was just horror and death, which is exactly what the curse was said to bring. So there were some more attempts to control the British throne by those of the Dudley name. And a quick glimmer of hope. They actually like made it in to the royal family for a second but followed by some more executions. Oh, no. One Dudley returned from France after working there as a military officer and ended up bringing home a plague that then spread to his officers and troops. And he ended up being one of the causes of a large number of soldiers being wiped out by the plague. It's like, it's bad enough that this poor family is cursed. And then to spread that curse to anyone who crosses their path is just so... Awful. And it continues to be that way, which is wild. Still? <gasps> is Are there Dudley well, family members still alive? I believe there are. I don't know what's been happening with them. I only know from the Dudley town-ish time, but we'll, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So to escape the curse, the Dudley family is like, meh, maybe, maybe we should go to the new world. That will treat us better. That's where everyone's going. Mm -hmm. And so they moved over to America, choosing the Cornwall Township, which is the town of Connecticut where Dudley Town is like a little village, a part of Cornwall. Mm -hmm. Um, And they basically established Dudley Town. 
So the thought was these Dudley descendants were like, let's move away from England. Let's move away from where the curse was created. We ourselves are descendants, but we're not direct descendants. So maybe perhaps it doesn't actually extend to us if we remove ourselves from the direct descendants and the land of where this curse originated. Mm-hmm. So they were like, woohoo, we have no link to the curse. And they moved oh, no. and created Dudley Town. But it seems that they were wrong because a few more relatives of the Dudley family move over to the town alongside the Tanner family, the Joneses, the Pattersons, the Dibbles, and the Porters. So now there are a few families, but it's it's relatively small. But the area is starting to establish itself a bit more. It's not just the Dudleys. More people come in. There's some iron work after iron was discovered nearby, but there's no real establishments in Dudley mm-hmm. Town, despite, you know, having a growing residence. There are no stores, no shops, no churches, no hospitals, no schools, no mortuaries, no cemeteries. So anything that they needed needed to do outside of their immediate household was to be purchased or experienced in the main township of Cornwall. Mm-hmm. So not too out of the ordinary, given that it was such a small town. In total, there were 26 families who took up residency here. But despite the small population and the limited resources and the horrible conditions for farming, i.e. little sunlight and rocky terrain, the town did pretty well for a while because they relied a lot on timber as their trade. But that was until the furnace companies who had been buying the timber moved away and no longer bought from them. But then they were like, that's okay because we still have the iron. And so they were selling iron to the water-powered mills, but then the mills closed down. So so ups and downs in terms of economic promise for Dudley Town, but we aren't here because their businesses overturned. No, we are here because of the mysterious activity that happened in Dudley Town from the very beginning. So for such an isolated and small populated area, mm-hmm. Dudley Town was filled with numerous strange deaths and bizarrely a large percentage of the residents reportedly went insane or vanished altogether. Oh. So creepy. It's like the Haibachu forest. Yes. Oh my gosh. Just, yeah, so much. It's like, so yeah, just, it's like a mix of so many different stories that we've heard in the past. It just is a combo of everything because it's just such a weird, it almost reminds me of, I mean, not really, but like, you know, the movie, The Village. Uh Uh-huh. And then there's the big twist at the end. But before the twist, if that were just like actually how the village was, that it kind of reminds me of Dudley Town. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. So it seems that the that the Dudleys uh, didn't actually have the curse follow specifically them, but rather the curse. Well, in a way it followed them, but the curse, it, it actually imprinted on the land and stayed there despite if there were Dudleys there or not. So right. three of the Dudleys, they moved out and they lived long, healthy lives. It didn't follow them. But oh. the one Dudley who had stayed ended up losing all of his money and he went insane. And this That's Dudley so who interesting. Stayed, so interesting. It was like all of the power of the like multiple Dudley family members who came down just kind of like imprinted all of the negativity into this one piece of land. Interesting. Or maybe they were just like a trigger for the land. I don't know. Or maybe the land not, was maybe, already dark and it absorbed more dark. It just absorbs darkness right. to get stronger. And the other thing to think about too is like perhaps the curse isn't to blame at all. Sure, the curse followed the Dudley family name in England, but maybe they just had really awful luck where they took up residency and established life in an area of Connecticut that with or without people was freaking haunted already. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially the landscape and and the way that you described it, it does feel like it's 
breeding ground for something. Yeah. 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 It's like a basement, but outside. It's like moist. Yeah. Dark and damp. Yeah. So this one Dudley who did stay, he also had a best friend in town who was part of the Hollister family. And he died, this Hollister friend died while building a barn for one of the neighbors, a member of the Tanner household. And then, well, Tanner, this Tanner man, he went insane, stating that supernatural forces were to blame. Tanner lived until he was 104 and continued to tell other villagers of the strange creatures that would come out of the woods at night. And so everyone's like, ugh. I don't know if we believe him, but everyone's going insane. Maybe there's something odd here, but like it's probably just old age and like solitude and and whatnot. But granted, let's remember that there are only 26 families in total. So the fact that already in three sentences, I told you about like the deaths and like negative effects that four of those families have experienced. That's a lot. Yeah. Okay. So another family, the Carter family, moved to town to be nearby their relatives. They had other Carter family members that had already established themselves in Dudley Town. So they were like, woohoo, let's move. Let's be closer to family. How nice. How lovely. But not long after they took up residency, their relatives that they'd come to live nearby all died of a mysterious plague that came through just the town. Just and through so the town? I believe so. At least that's what that's what the articles say. Right. Of course, there's, you know, we could find out that that's not entirely true, but that's part of ghost stories. Some parts are exaggerated. Exaggerated. Exactly. But that makes um, the stories good. Regardless, a plague came through the town and it took out this Carter family, the original Carter family who had first been established in Dudley Town. Mm-hmm. And now the other Carters all saddened and hoping for an escape from the town and didn't want to, you know, be in the town anymore. Obviously, it's a reminder of their family's demise right, and had moved course. to be closer to their family. This side of the Carter family, they're like, let's get out of here. So they move away and they eventually end up in the wilderness of Delaware. So they're still in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. And here in the wilderness of Delaware was where they were attacked by the native tribe that lived there. And the mother, the father, and the infant child were killed and then the three remaining what? Carter children were kidnapped, taken oh. to Canada. Two of the daughters were held for ransom. And then apparently the boy actually did quite well. He ended up marrying one of the Native American women and returned back to America, got educated, served as a judge, all of this stuff. I need to like seriously try to track down records and whatnot because I'm curious as to who he became Whoa. and where he where he served. That's mesmerizing and how horrible. And also the fact that they they held these children for ransom and yet had killed the rest of their family who would be the people paying the ransom. So it's like they yeah, had but no the, way yeah, out. Not to be super disturbing, but they they killed the mother, daughter, and like the young, young child. But think about it. They took like the young girls. Ugh, I do not like that. Yeah. Probably would have gotten money from someone somewhere, which is awful and disturbing and sickening and makes Ugh. me want to vomit. But anyway, so the whole Carter family themselves, anyone who'd ever lived in Dudley Town, with the exception of the one boy who seems to have escaped the curse, Mm -hmm. minus the part of, you know, his whole family basically being murdered and taken for kidnapping. Mm -hmm. Um, But everyone else suffered awful fates. And then another resident of Dudley Town, Sarah Fay, she was struck by lightning on her front porch and died. And her husband- soon after, went insane. So he was also one of the people to go insane. Yeah. So eventually, there's so much going on. There's only 26 families here. Everyone's getting affected. Everyone's having these awful things happen. It's just 
terrible. So eventually the majority of residents, they start moving away. And one of the very last residents is named John Brophy, and he became a victim of Dudley Town's curse as well. So this is 160 years later after the first Dudley ever came into uh, this area and established the area. And yet still there's a string of bad luck and, and death plaguing the town's residents. So John, he's one of the last residents there, and his wife had died from alcoholism. And then not long after the funeral, like so awful to to lose a partner, especially from an, an addiction and right. and whatnot. And he had young children. He had two young children. Mm-hmm. And not long after the funeral, his children were playing in the forest as they usually did. But then they disappeared and they were never seen again. Oh, my gosh. And then just after that, his house burned down in an unexplained fire. And not long after that, John, too, inexplicably disappeared never to be seen from or heard from again. Okay, this town is seriously giving me some The Outsider vibes, which is based, it's an HBO show, which I know you haven't watched yet, but you have to because it's based on a Stephen King novel, again, because Stephen King is running the world. And yes, it's it's about like a town where this like murder starts happening and then you start to like pull back these layers and stuff. And it just reminds me so much of Dudley Town because it's like something is absorbing pain. So yeah. all of these people are going through horrible things, whether it's directly related to them or a family member, and then they too end up suffering greatly and something is absorbing that energy. Yeah, it's so weird. And it's like Ugh. 26 families over a 150-year period, give or take a few decades, and just continual like darkness is upon them, like <sighs> literally and figuratively and paranormally. Oh you have to watch The Outsider. I know. I need an HBO login. Around the same time, Dr. William Clark of New Jersey, oh, then hey. a professor of surgery who taught at Columbia College of Physicians and Surgeons, and also a leading cancer specialist in New York, he visited the area and he really fell in love with the forest and the idea of just staying away from the busy life, leading a quiet life away from all of it. And so he and his wife, they end up purchasing a thousand acres of land in the area and part of the land crossed into Dudley Town. So technically, they were also residents of Dudley Town. So here, he and his wife built a beautiful summer vacation home and they often came on weekends and for short holiday trips like Thanksgiving and whatnot. But really, it wasn't their main residence. It was just like a little escape from from the big city life and his many challenging and demanding jobs. So... One summer weekend, he and his wife were there. The two of them were staying at the property when Dr. Clark, he was called back to New York on an emergency medical call. And his wife was like, you know what? You go. You're going to come back here in a few days anyway. Like we're, we're holding up here for a, a week or so. So you go ahead. I'll stay. You come back for me after. And so he's like, great. He goes off. He serves whatever he needs, tends to whatever he needs to do. And just 36 hours later... Dr. Clark returns to find his wife had gone insane. She spoke of these strange creatures who came out of the forest and attacked her. Sound familiar? Um, yes. Just like the other guy. Whoa. And then not long after that, Mrs. Clark died by suicide. So these were just a few of the many, many residents. And out of a small number of people who 
lived in this town. The number of people who died, disappeared, went insane, cited a curse, creatures, paranormal activity is wildly high. And it's believed that the town takes people down one by one, destroying their lives, their homes, their minds, and reclaiming the wilderness. And the town got its wish of getting rid of everyone because by the early 1900s, the town was deserted and the remaining structures fell into disrepair and the forest began to grow over the village. Nature took back over. Uh, And Dr. Clark, the one who lost his wife, alongside his new wife and a few other doctors and friends and landowners, they formed the Dark Entry Forest Association designed to preserve the Deadly Town Forest and to ensure that its land would remain wild, uninhabited, and left to the forest and perhaps the creatures and the curse that attacked so many of them prior. Oh my God, I'm looking at pictures of this because I just need to see. So it's a pure ghost town now. Yeah, there's I mean, there's like a few structures and stuff where I think probably like keepers might stay to to just preserve the land, but or like maybe a couple residents on on the edge of town, but the actual land like you can't. So so today, like you used to be able to hike and whatnot in the land. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Why I keep calling it the land, the but like land. in the town, in the land. Uh, But so it used to be open to public, but it has since been closed off due to just like vandalization and everything like that. But there still are people who trespass and who come sure. back with tales of ghostly apparitions in the woods. People have said that they see spirits, that they've seen orbs, mystery oh lights. There's reportings of overwhelming feelings of dread and terror. People have reported to be touched, pushed, scratched, and some have caught what they believe are spectral images on the camera. And paranormal researchers have also looked at the land. They've gone into Dudley Town, and they believe that this is a, quote, negative power spot, which is a place where entities and spirits can enter from the other side. But regardless of the reason of behind the disappearances, reported creature sightings, strange deaths, and increased cases of madness, one thing is for sure, and that is that cursed or not, there is something quite unpleasant about yeah, Dudley Town. Very. And I'm very glad that no one lives there now and that whatever it is, whether it's a curse or an entity or some like darkness or similar to the outsider, that it's stuck there and can't hurt anyone else. Right. I know. And I'm so curious about the creatures that came in and attacked this woman and attacked that man, like two residents that have reported like some time living apart. Like I'm not even sure they were alive at the same time and both reported creatures coming out of the woods at night and that's what drove them to insanity and then if you remember last encounters episode we read a listener story from lily and she said that her brother had been driving through that area during his like driver's ed practice period and had been essentially chased out of the area by a man with no face right faceless man i wonder if there's multiple or if it's just one like one creature or if it's multiple I don't know, but I mean, they said like creatures, so I'm assuming that it's more than- More than one. assuming it's more than one, but like, what are the creatures? What are the descriptions of the creatures? I didn't get to see that information. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking like fae and fairy. Like, do you think it was something like that? Do you think it was- I don't know. Some sort of like skinwalker situation? Because the land actually did used to be part of a Native American tribe, like territory. Oh, it could be skinwalkers. Skinwalkers, yeah. But it does feel like just because in in what we learned about skinwalkers, it's like they are members of tribes who have the ability to transform. 
Whereas it doesn't sound like there's anyone inhabiting that land aside from these creatures. So it feels like kind of like a mix of melon heads, which I've never forgotten. Ooh, yeah. And something darker because of the way that it drives people insane. Like, I don't know. There's so many elements of it that go beyond any entity that we, I think we've talked about. I know. So creepy. And I'm just dying to hear from the residents of like Cornwall, Connecticut. Yeah. Because that those are the people that live steps away from this now deserted township. And I wonder if like children, because I remember when I was a kid, like I had woods right behind my house and I just loved to go out there and like run through there and just explore. And if you're a kid, you're not, you're probably not in the know of how dangerous or how of the curse of Dudley town in those woods. Mm-hmm. Like, do they accidentally go in there and has anything else happened? Or are people in that town so aware of it that they tell their children, like, you're never allowed to go in there? Right. I don't know. I don't know. I, I did look at Google Earth because I uh-huh. always walk through places on Google Earth. Of but course. like, there's nothing to this place anymore. Like, it's, most, it's just woods. It's very overgrown. It reminds me a lot of Helltown in Ohio. Mm, I know. Isn't that crazy that there are so many parallels between all of these like towns and stories? Because like it reminded you of Helltown and the How About You Forest, but it reminded me initially of like Davlov Pass and mm-hmm. Roanoke. It's just like all of these things have so many things, all of these like, crazy paranormal activity. They all somehow connect to each other and have so many parallels drawn amongst them. It's very them. bizarre. It means... How bizarre. How bizarre. It means that there's like, it, it to me, it gives me hope that there's some parallels because then it's like, okay, maybe eventually we'll have the explanation for it. And maybe if people dedicate yeah. themselves to studying it, there there might be more answers. Right. But it won't be me. No, me either. <laughs> Sorry. Bye. <laughs> maybe in my next life. Okay. All right. I have made myself completely horizontal. I am ready for your story. <laughs> Wonderful. I am ready to tell it. It's interesting also because maybe as I'm telling it, you'll pick up on some similarities and interesting mm-hmm. things that we should talk about post-discussion or post-story. <laughs> Save this for the end in private, you know, comedy <laughs> It's not publicly announced these things. No, no, no. I mean, like, after I tell you the story, like, I'm curious if you'll pick up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. I'm just going to turn it off right after I tell, and then no one will ever know what we have to say about it. God, I need to go hang out with Nick after this and stop being alone. Um, What do you mean? You're with me. No, I know, but, like, (laughs) (laughs) I haven't hung out with anyone else, really, and I feel like I'm losing it, you know? Wow. But you're so far away. I can't like. Well, now I know if ever we were in total isolation that you would feel like you were completely alone and you would still go mad just as quickly as if you were alone. That is not what I meant. And yeah, see, this is, this is, this is why I'm just going to (laughs) stop. I honestly do think I would probably go crazier with you though, because you and I together would be like. feed into each other. We'd feed into each other's. Absolutely. I think I'd give us like 17 hours. I feel like we'd, we would probably grow those like long, be- like even though we don't grow beards because we're women, I do have a mustache, but I feel like you and I would grow those really long, intense beards that yeah. like go all the way down in a day. I feel like our eyebrows would grow just at the end <laughs> and then we'd like put beads and feathers in them. And then we like decorate the house with candy. 
<laughs> Dream life. <laughs> okay. So I chose the Banjara Fort, which is known as the most haunted place in India. There you go. In case you want to look it up, because the way that it is spelled is not necessarily the way it sounds, I'm just going to spell it for you, our listeners, if you want to look it up. It's B-H-A-N-G-A-R-H, Fort Banjara. And it sits vacant at the border of Sariska Tiger Reserve in Rajasthan, India. So this fort was built atop a prehistoric site in the 17th century by King Bangwat Das for his youngest son. And it was built after approval from Guru Balunath, who was the religious head at the time. And I guess this king needed to get permission in order to build it, especially because it was going to be built on top of a prehistoric site, which was very important to them. And they didn't want, they wanted to make sure that anything that was built atop it would still respect and preserve those sites. So the guru accepted the plan to build the fort with two conditions. And he said the first is that he would have to be able to utilize the space for his own meditation and that the fort would be free from the shadows. So in my first read of this, I was like, oh, free from the shadows. Like, obviously, this is a paranormal podcast. Obviously, this is a paranormal story because it's about a curse. He means the shadows, like dark entities. But Mm -hmm. no, 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 no. He meant physical shadows, like when the sun is obscured and you're put into darkness. So similar to your story, the shadows. So he agrees. And the king is like, I will make sure to do that for you. And construction on the fort begins. And it was really more of a city. I think it was just called a fort because it was built with these gates around it and protected. But it was composed of temples, palaces, and multiple gates, which met the border of the royal palace. It was stunning and transversed the mountainside and rolling hills. But despite the picturesque appearance, the city quickly became seeped in darkness until eventually the people living there picked up and left entirely abandoning the fort and leaving it behind as a ghost town. So the city opened in 1573 and was abandoned by 1783. So 200 years. Wow. About. And it's so beautiful. I'm looking at it and all mm-hmm. of the just like it's gorgeous and yeah. Wow. And granted, I feel like 200 years is quite a long time. But it is the strange part is that people just up and left abruptly and Mm. they left things behind and never returned. So what happened and why was the city so quickly doomed? The answer is that the king who built the fort promised to keep the shadows from covering the temples. But as we know, shadows move based on where the sun goes and how the sun moves during the day. So that meant no matter how he built the fort, there would be shadows in the fort. Right. And so it kind of seemed like, you know... He was doomed from the beginning. He was, because unless you literally, like, you'll never build a fort without shadows. Right. The only way you would ever build any structure is if you built a stage and you just always remained on top of the stage. Right. Right. Exactly. Like a flat piece of land. And especially because, like, the the city was built and there are all these, like, beautiful temples. And when you have temples, you have these higher structures that are going to put the fort in shadow in some way. And so this Guru Balu Nath is meditating kind of in the beginning of the days of the fort opening. And slowly the sun begins to disappear. And slowly he's pushed into darkness. And quickly he was just shrouded in anger. And he stood from his meditation and pronounced a curse on the entire town. And it's believed no, that No, man. That's when you pick up your little feet 
And you, if you wanted an entire fort, that means that you have the mobility to move about it. So just find a sunny spot. Unfortunately, he did not do that, but placed a curse on the town and said, apparently he cursed the king and his family and the fortune of anyone who came to live in the fort. And specifically, he placed a curse on the fort that would that it would remain roofless, which is interesting. And I, I'm very curious about that part of it. And I wonder, I wonder what it means because why that specifically, like why roofless is like a curse, you know, is know, it because if it there are no like roofs. He wanted roofless because if he wanted sun to be touching him at all times, you can't really right. have shelter. Right. And I, I almost wonder if that's just like the, if there are no roofs, 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 right? Yeah. Um, then no one can live there. Maybe, and that's what he was trying to doom the town hmm. to be. So even now today, and I'm sure you noticed in photos, Corinne, there are no roofs. And nope. they have many times attempted to build roofs, and they all fall and crumble within days of building them. Or even in an attempt of building, like there are accidents happening. But Balu Nath's curse was not strong enough to keep the people from living in Banjara Fort. And so when he passed, he also ensured that his body were to be buried on the ground so that he could haunt the land and help pursue his curse and make it happen. And that if Jeez. the curse wasn't strong enough, he would haunt the lands and physically make things go wrong in the town and make sure that the city would never thrive. But he wasn't the only person to curse this town. So there's one curse. You have this one. And then there's a second curse that comes into play when this man, who is a wizard, his name is Singya, and he was in town. And whether he lived there, I couldn't find all the details, but he was in the city one day and he was walking around shopping at the market when he saw a woman across the way. And the woman he saw, he later learned, was the princess of Bengara. Her name was Ratanavati. And he fell in love with her. Love at first sight, he believed. But if this story happened today, I think we would refer to him as a stalker. Mm. So he spotted the princess, instantly fell in love with her, but the love was not returned. I don't even think he spoke to her. I don't know if he tried. I don't know all the details of the story, but basically he was like, I'm going to make her fall in love with me and use my wizardry and my magic spells, and I'm going to make a spell and a potion and put it into this fragrance perfume that one of her servants was buying for her and then she was going to spray it on herself and he, and then she would fall in love with him but unfortunately for him and also super badass of her the princess caught wind of his plan and ordered him to death so singia was furious how dare the princess ruin his plan and order him to die and he as he was being put to death put a curse on manjara for it and now haunts the city and his curse also was kind of in the same fashion as the Guru Balunath was that the city were to remain roofless and that no one could live happily or peacefully in this town. So I don't know I don't know why that was the type of curse that went around, but um now you have two curses, very similar curses on this town. Wow. And from two clearly quite stable people. <laughs> yes. You know, when shadows cross me in quarantine, I too place curses on people. Yeah, no. for a guy who's supposed to be spending his whole days meditating. <laughs> right, right. He's quick to anger. Mm -hmm. So after multiple curses and hardships that came to fall upon Manjara, people had no choice but to get up and leave, leaving many of their possessions behind. And there's some local belief that the princess Ratnavati will be reincarnated in a new body 
and that she will come to visit the abandoned city and just by being there will lift the curse. But I don't think that's yet to happen. But how cool. Like what if you had no idea who you're reincarnated as, but you're like drawn to this place, drawn to see it and you go and you visit it and then everything changes. All your memories flood back. How Mm -hmm. wild. Or even if you don't have any memory of it, but then like for some reason there's like life that comes back to the fort or the surrounding area. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But being a prehistoric site, the Benjara Fort is an archaeological site and under protection of the Archaeological Survey of India. And many of those who are assigned to protect the location are frightened of it and like don't like being there late at night. And they feel a darkness and an overwhelming sense of sadness when they're on the property. And it's open to the public, but it's closed between sunset and sunrise. So it's open from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And it's like very strictly enforced that you are not allowed in there at night. And people say that it's because if you enter the area during the night, you will never return. Although I'm sure that rule might also have been made just to control people going in and out of it and make sure you're preserving it correctly. But there's a story I found on TripAdvisor from, and this is just his TripAdvisor name, A-N-M-0-I. And he went to the fort with a group of friends in 2017, I believe. And the group were all boys. They arrived around 4 p.m. And they spoke to the guard at the entrance. And they too were like, why is the park closed at night? And they were like, is it really haunted? And the guard looked at them and said, he himself had never seen a ghost. But yes, the place is truly cursed. It's unlike any place in the world. But then he was like, but also the reason we close it at night is because there are a lot of wildlife and animals in this area that at night, if people went in there, would probably be eaten by these animals. Wow. And the boys were still determined to find the ghost. So they stuck through the empty temples where the religious statues were removed to prevent the curse from attacking the gods. And eventually the time turns to 6 p.m. And they were supposed to leave. But they all looked at each other and they're like, hmm, it doesn't seem like anyone's like coming to see and make sure we're leaving. Maybe we just stay. And the place was huge. And they were like, I don't know. I think we could stay. Like, I don't think anyone's going to find us. So they did. They spent the night there. And they were hearing the animals. They felt chills. But they did not experience any ghosts or any curses or anything terrifying at the night. I mean, of course, like the typical you fear you scare yourself stuff. But then the morning came and they were like, oh, that's a bummer. Like, we didn't really get to verify the ghost. Maybe this place isn't haunted. Maybe there is no curse. And they go home. And when they got home, his aunt looks at him and was like, you stayed the night, didn't you? And she was mad at him. And he was like, I did. I really did. And he was full of pride. And she was just like, I'm not impressed with you. And she looked at him very sternly and was like, please tell me you did not bring a lady there. You didn't bring a girl And he was like, I am not that kind of boy. I'm not going to bring a woman to stay the night at like some haunted fort. And she was like, thank goodness, because if you had a woman with you, you then would have really felt the true powers of the curse, which made him wonder like, oh, and me too, made me wonder, is this curse so specifically like pointed at women because that wizard who placed the curse on the town because the princess didn't return his love, did the curse apply more specifically to women? Mm. And there's a story of a woman who visited the temple and her story and her experience is actually very, very different from the man on TripAdvisor. So it makes me wonder if that there's some truth to that. I know. So this woman I've visited- I've been Googling like the, the ghost caught on camera as you've been talking and it freaks me out. <laughs> Did you find one? Yeah. 
There's ghosts caught on camera there? There's a couple. There's one where it looks like there's someone almost in like a like baggy, almost like a clothing that maybe a monk would wear, like the sort of baggy sort of articles of clothing and standing at the top of the stairs. And then there's another where like in one of the archways, it's just, it looks like a like blacked out sort of like wisp of a figure of a woman walking by. Oh, well, I wonder if Guru Balunath is still there. Yeah. He did say he was going to haunt the place. Whoa. Okay. Thanks for adding to my research, Karen. You're welcome. Okay. So this woman who went to the fort with some of her friends and some coworkers, they were a mix of different genders. They were driving there and one of her colleagues was explaining that there was something at the fort. And she was like, it's something I can't explain. I've been there a few different times. I'm hesitant to go back with you, but I know it's important. I know that you want to see it. So I'm going with you, but I'm telling you. There's something there and it's terrifying and it gives you a sense of hollowness and not of the place, but of yourself, of your soul. And so they arrived already on edge and they started touring the city. And as they were walking through kind of in the beginning, like they were kind of just got past the entrance, just got past the guard and they're walking through the little area, through the streets and a woman kind of rushes past them and she like looks a little concerned and her head is down, but she whispers something as she passes them and she says, not safe not safe. And it quickly hurries out to the exit. Ooh. But of course they continue on not taking that very seriously because who knows what, what happened to this woman. And so they're walking through the roofless buildings and the rolling greens and they're like, oh, it's so beautiful. But then the sun began to dip and they all felt some strange thing overcome them and the place. And it was about time for them to leave almost 6 p.m. So they turned around and began back towards their cars and... They were close to the exit when all of a sudden this girl's friend fell to the ground and began sobbing. This woman was crying and rocking back and forth, like cradling herself on the ground, completely like overcome by something. And they tried to help her up, but she couldn't. She just kept staring at them and crying and was like horrified and wailing. And they Mm -hmm. were like, we don't know what you can do for you. And all of a sudden this woman like stands up through the broken cries and just takes off sprinting. Oh my gosh. And sprints out of the fort and to their car. And by the time that they all get there to the car, they see this girl and she's kind of recomposed herself and she's standing there kind of like a blank, scared look in her eyes. And they're like, what happened? And apparently she had like no explanation. She couldn't explain it. She couldn't say what happened to her, but she was like, I've never experienced anything like this before. And it felt like her soul was being ripped out of her, that something was trying to hurt her, like in the deepest part of her soul. Ooh, ooh. Mm -hmm. And that was like before the sun dipped. So like, if it's true and if this curse is more targeted at women, then what what would happen if a woman stayed the night? Like, I don't even want to know. It makes me wonder too if like her feeling of her soul being ripped out of her was somewhat synonymous with people's feeling of hollowness, like personal hollowness, like just having nothing left in them. But I wonder if maybe she was more sensitive to the actual sensation of it, like of everything leaving her. Right. Oh, and it's also like, I just thought of this, but like the curse, how it's supposed to be like that the town remains roofless. Does that too have to do with like our, our beings? Like if- you think of us, would ripping our soul out be that humans are now ruthless? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like it. But so <laughs> so maybe the curse targets women. I don't know. But 
hopefully Ratanvati, the princess, will return and lift the curse and free the place from the darkness. And until then, the city is really pretty and it has a very rich history. So while I don't recommend that you go at night, I highly don't recommend that. I do think it's a beautiful site to probably visit during the day. And they also offer guided sunset yoga at the platforms of the temples. And then you just Ooh. have to get out GTFO right before the sun completely sets and you two are shrouded in darkness, just like Guru Belunath hated. Wow. Oh, I'm down for the sunset yoga. I know. It does sound pretty. Right in front of a beautiful temple with ruins and just this wonderful, architecturally they were really amazing beautiful. city. And then as you're in Downward Dog, your soul just starts to be ripped from you. yeah but that's Banjara Fort in India that's so fascinating and it's like for how large the fort is I'm I'm both surprised and unsurprised about a few things like I'm shocked that there aren't more spirits but it sounds like there's such a cloak of negativity that it all is like encompassed in this one darkness that happens there but I'm also surprised like Yes, the fort was big, but like if you think about the actual population that probably existed in this area, it was probably a bit smaller. So I'm shocked they had such intense residents who were all cursing this place left and right. Yeah, yeah, it's very dark. I also wonder like there's so much more too than people know. Oh, I'm sure, especially because like people just fled, so I don't. You don't really. It's probably hard to track down all the stories. I am also curious what the timeline was of those two curses and how spread out they were. And I'm curious if, because, I mean, it's possible maybe that Guru Balunath was seen, his spirit was seen at the fort. But what if he was reincarnated as the wizard who then placed the second curse? And that was like his, he was like, the first curse wasn't strong enough. People are still living here. I'm going to come back as someone else and place the second curse. Mm, Sabrina. Uh, I think you're onto something. But then it's like, okay, if that's true, can you be reincarnated and still also have a spirit or your ghost of a past life? Or do you mm-hmm. have to then die and then when you're a ghost the second time, you can choose between past lives to be and appear as? I don't know. I don't know if you have that choice, if you have that willpower yeah, in the afterlife or if you just kind of get assigned or maybe life just suctions you in somewhere yeah or oh my gosh do you well we we always say that ghosts are all knowing and spirits are all knowing but i think there are different levels but like when you die do you then get the knowledge of all the lives you've ever lived and you can that's oh cool. that's fascinating i don't know oh i'm so curious i mean if you read many lives many masters it would almost suggest that yes like you somehow can tap your soul knows everything remembers everything. But I wonder if, yeah, like the conscious state of you in your death is just you in your past life or if something else has to happen, if you have to join a new level or wait so long or that's so fascinating. Also, do you know where your family is from? Like your relatives in India? Like, do Mm. you know if, if you guys were around this area? Are you asking if I'm reincarnated as Ratanavati? Yeah. Um, I don't think I am, but let me see. 23 and me, what area? It's interesting. My grandfather was very um didn't wasn't very proud of his heritage and and there's some like mystery there and it wasn't until he passed away that I really knew where he was from. 
It says Bengali in Northeast India and then Northern India and Pakistan. But specifically, I'm sorry, I did not research how to say where I'm from. Maharashtra, India. Hmm. We need to map these and see how close they are to this. I know. Fort. It looks very beautiful. Huh. I'm convinced you're the princess. <laughs> I've convinced myself. That's what I deduced from your From my story. story. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a princess? <laughs> I'm down to be a princess. Amazing. Princess of Genovia. <laughs> I always wanted to live that life. Princess Diaries. Wouldn't it be so wonderful? It would oh. be. Really would. Every time I walk uh, through the grass and the sections in the public gardens where it says, like, don't walk through grass, which I try to usually abide by in Boston, every time I accidentally step on the grass or intentionally do, <laughs> even though you I'm not supposed to, I, I think of, like, please stay off the grass when she's <laughs> or getting yelled at over the loudspeaker. So good. Uh, so funny. To walk outdoors. Okay. I've got a spooky tale from a listener. Do tell. This is from Nick. And it's titled Dudley Town Fail. Hi, ladies. I've just started binge listening to your podcast and love it. Shout out to Ghosts in the Burbs for the recommendation. Hey. You're a mix of my favorite murder and lore, but better. And I love what you're doing. Wow. Oh my gosh. Not true, but thank you. High <laughs> <praise>. <laughs> Very high praise. Very high praise. How do I live up to that? Don't know that I can. We don't. We just. Malfunctioning. We, so long as we're that way in Nick's heart, that's all that matters. <laughs> true. Anyway, I wanted to share with you. It's not too much of a ghost story, but I'm convinced something intervened to stop us from doing something stupid. When I was in high school, my friends and I were obsessed with all things paranormal. We would actually go to the library. It was the 90s. Yes, I'm old. Mm -hmm. To do research and then go venture into the woods or whatever, trying to find it. We had some scary stuff. The witch's sundial, which I can find no info on now was pretty creepy. Ooh. The land of the little people seemed super creepy until we found out that it was totally not what the rumors said it was. It was supposedly part of an amusement park, but I'm not so sure. We also saw the Warrens a couple of times, which honestly scared the living shit out of me. <laughs> anyway, the holy grail of haunted places in Connecticut is Dudley Town. Oh my God. An abandoned town in the woods that's supposed to be super creepy and there's been a ton of stories about it. So back in like 1992, myself and three other guys I used to hang out with thought it'd be cool to go up there and check it out. Not so much. From the moment we left, it felt like there was something ominous in the air. Maybe it was the fact that we had smoked a ton of weed or <laughs> just that there was something telling us not to go. I felt totally uneasy about it and based on what I'd heard, but was super curious about it. So I went along. There were rumors about Satanists that did rituals up there, sacrificing of animals and the like. Real cheery stuff. <laughs> so we armed ourselves with a broken axe handle. I think one of the guys wrote something like, don't fuck with this motherfucker. <laughs> and I'm totally embarrassed by this. Also brought holy water that I'm not so sure was blessed. Some rosary beads and a Bible. We grabbed a map, old people problems, and ventured <laughs> out to find it. <laughs> we should have been there in less than an hour, but it felt like we were driving in circles forever. We'd find a place that we thought was the path into the woods, and then we'd wind up in someone's backyard. Kevin, the driver, almost smashed into the back of a car that seemed to stop for absolutely no reason in the middle of traffic. We seriously missed hitting it by inches. Oh my gosh. There were detours, closed roads, a freak downpour, and we kept driving by the same things over and over, getting pretty close but never finding it. In comparison, my friend Josh went up there and said that he had no problems and he was there in like 45 minutes. 
It just started to feel like there was something or like some kind of presence that was preventing us from getting there. Then we finally found the right road. It wasn't even hidden or anything, but we never saw it. And I'm convinced it wasn't there the other times we drove by it. Mm. As we were taking the left onto the street, totally doing the speed limit, not driving crazy or anything, (laughs) a cop was taking a right out of the same street. He literally swung his car around as we were making the turn and pulled us over. And he was pissed. We were nothing but respectful, partially because we still had a good amount of weed on us crazy kids that we were, but he was freaking out on us, asking us where we were coming from, what we were doing, how old we were, just really giving us the third degree. Keep in mind, it wasn't like we looked like a bunch of freaks or anything. We're all pretty clean cut looking. So I was totally confused as to why he was doing this. Then he made us all get out of the car and line up against the guardrail so that he could search the car. Then he found the ax handle I mentioned earlier to which he lost his shit on us. Why are you carrying this? Who are you going to see? What's your intent? We were all so shocked at this tirade that I just blurted out Dudley Town like a complete idiot. (laughs) Then he really dug into us, telling us that we shouldn't go there because bad things happen up there and that only bad people go there and that sort of thing. He then had us all get back into the car, took our, quote, weapon and told us to wait there. Like 20 minutes later, he comes back and tells us to leave Cornwall. That's the town this place is in. And he would be escorting us out of town. He actually did. He was right on our ass until we hit the town line. We considered going back, but I was totally freaked out and said that there was no way I was going back there. So we went home. Good for you. I don't know if this is the type of story you're looking for, but I sincerely feel that there were some good spirits out there looking out for us, keeping us away from there, like divine intervention or something. Or maybe it was just a bunch of random coincidences, but it didn't feel random to me. It was like we were being led in the wrong direction purposely. Then once we got there, a cop in a really bad mood just happened to be there at the exact second we found the road that led to the path. Weird. I never went back to find it and have little desire to do so now. There's a reason for us not getting there. I have no idea what it is, but there's something. Anyways, keep up the good work. I truly love the podcast and I'm so happy I found you. TGOG makes my long, boring days at work bearable. It's not just the stories. It's the closeness I sense between you two, the way you tell them, and your sincerely and your sincerity that keep me coming back. Aww. Much love, ladies. You're killing it. Scared in Connecticut. Nick. <laughs> Scared in Connecticut. That's good. So wow. good. Wow. So wild. I am very glad that they did not go back, and I'm very glad that something was trying to prevent them because – and I'm glad that they all listened you know, and took those warnings yeah. seriously. It's interesting because it's almost somewhat reminiscent of a glitch in the Matrix story where, you know, people get lost and they're going in circles and circles and swear that they've seen this thing before. And it was just as if Nick and his friends experienced the same thing, but it was in response to, or they feel that it was because something was keeping them from actually going to the place that was bad. Right. Like they were caught in a glitch, but not in a bad way. Yeah, and the fact that a cop was patrolling that area that night makes me wonder if there was something specific that had maybe happened earlier in the night or something. I don't know, like, did someone go missing in there or did, like, you know, it feels like there was something about that night that people were on edge about that area. Right. I know. And just like, just all of the different things to try to intervene with them getting Mm -hmm. there. The fact that their friend found it so easily within 45 minutes and yet these This group of boys were just going in circles, almost running into cars, just like everything was stopping them from being there. I wonder if, to your point, if something bad happened there and had they gotten there earlier, 
it would have happened to them. And I'm, yeah, that's scary. Yeah. It's like those people that have have written in and like almost got in a car accidents, but something said like, stop, like two seconds before or whatever, like just missing something. Yeah. Like had you left your house at this time, had this not happened, had that not happened, it would have been you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just so (sighs) freaky. I'm glad that, you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad that Nick has learned from this experience and that he's not like, oh, now I need to go back and figure out what it was that it didn't want me me to see. He's just like, you know what? No, I'm going to take this as a message. I'm going to internalize it and I am moving on. Yep. Yep. See, yeah. Good lesson. I appreciate that. Me too. Okay. I have a listener story from Ashley and it's called The Mummy's Curse. Ooh. Good evening, ghostesses of the mostesses. I am literally trying to remember or find the best spooky stories to message you guys. And I think I found a super cool one. So my boyfriend possibly had brought an Egyptian curse home with him, question mark. Years ago before he and I met, he told me about how he had gone to Egypt. Truthfully, he's traveled almost everywhere. LOL. I was like, that is so cool. Tell me more. Because growing up, I had a phase where I was super obsessed with Egyptian culture and mummies. He went camel riding, deep sea diving in the Red Sea. And... He brought home a piece of a pyramid. Oops. At the time, he didn't think of it as a big deal, but the events that followed when they got back home to the U.S. had seemed to be unexplainable. Their home got broken into and robbed twice. Their house got struck by lightning and fried every electronic. The garage burnt down, and when they had the driveway replaced, they found a well underneath the driveway that was a 12-foot deep brick well, and it was a farming town prior. Just really terrible things that seemed like poor luck. One day, one of his dad's friends had come over, and they didn't know he had sort of a sixth sense. Friend said he could sense an ancient evil presence. He couldn't couldn't pinpoint it exactly, but there was this very old evil looming over their house. My boyfriend, who was a young and mischievous boy, said that he had told what he had took, and his dad's friend said they needed to get it out of the house because that was what followed them home. My boyfriend has no idea where it is because his dad recently remarried and moved out of the house. So it's hard to tell if it's truly gone or if the curse is stuck like gum to a shoe in the house. It seems like the curse has slowly been lifted because events that have followed have been less traumatic. But honestly, I am not an expert on curses and do not know. When I first started dating him and visited that house, I did feel something dimmer that felt as if it was watching me. But I didn't know all of that until later on. I'll try and remember and find more ghost stories for my friends and family to send to you because... I love listening to the podcast, and my day is not complete without some sabs, Corinne, Lay, and Ghost too. Hope you enjoyed. See you on the other side. Or if you're ever in Chicago, you can totally hit up your Chicago fans, and we can all do a ghost hunt at Resurrection Mary Cemetery. P.S. I included a picture of my kitty, T2, Phantom Ashley. <sighs> okay. L- lots of things here. I think one thing that scares me is like, Anything to do with like ancient Egypt and mummies? I know. I feel like that's the realest shit you can possibly get, in especially the paranormal in, world. Especially in terms of curses. Yeah, it feels so real. It feels so present and like inevitable, almost. Like it's not like oh, if you take a rock from this one place, you might have a curse follow you. I feel like if you do anything related to ancient Egypt, like you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. It feels like a given. Yeah, and. I mean, I, granted, he only took a piece of the pyramid, which is also horrible because it's like, you know, those things are preserved so greatly. But like, t- typically in those pyramids, people were buried with all their prized possessions. So when you steal something, there is a clear attachment to it. 
yeah, and this is their home and this is where they're supposed to be protecting. And if you Mm -hmm. chip away at the building where they have called their home for so long and all of their possessions and their friends and it's their space, then you're that much closer to being in their personal space and they will come for you. We should do an ancient Egypt episode. We should. Oh my gosh. So put that put that in the I'm putting it in. That in the thing. I'm really curious about where it is and if it's if the curse only remains on the rock or like part of the what's it called? Why is my brain just like (laughs) pooping pooping out? (laughs) (laughs) I I wonder if the piece of the pyramid that he took is Mm -hmm. actually truly cursed or if it was him. Like so long as he was in position Uh, possession of it, so long as like the actual intentional perpetrator and and thiever of the item was near would the curse or like bad luck remain and now that that piece of the pyramid is no longer with him i wonder if it's just kind of like a dud or if it's continued to wreak havoc on whoever it's around it's interesting cuz it does feel like it was it targeted his home rather than him yeah so it does feel like it targeted yeah like that was the target of the curse well one thing i will never do is do what he did (laughs) (laughs) i would love to visit egypt though oh my gosh would love to yeah the thing that is so mesmerizing is when you look at those the like articles that are like here are things that you didn't realize like here here are mind-blowing facts and it's like the woolly mammoth like lived at just this many years away from you know like whatever like King Tut or whatever mm-hmm. they do have those like or Cleopatra they have those crazy comparisons that you're like how could they even be around the same time and one of the things that freaks me out so much not freaks me out in like a bad way but when they show pictures of all of the pyramids in Egypt and then they show actually how close the city line is to the pyramids because you view them like when you see them in pictures you think that it's just like in the middle of the desert somewhere and that it would take years to get to basically but it's actually right outside of the city. Have you I seen know. those photos? Yeah. Yeah. So wild. So wild. <sighs> okay. Well, if you wow. have ghost stories or if you've been cursed, please email them to us <laughs> at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. Don't curse us though, please. Yeah. I was just going to say, if you're someone <laughs> tempted to practice curses or giving them, do not direct this <laughs> our way. Please. We beg of you. Please. There was uh, a time, remember, when we thought we were cursed? Yes. It was we, very I think real. We were. I think so too. I th- there's no way that our recording issues dark were time. just ever prevalent and then suddenly not. It was a very dark we time. Yeah. And you can support us in many ways. Please rate and review us on iTunes or you can buy merch or tell your friends about our podcast or you could support us on Patreon. Any or all or any really, really means so much to us. So a special shout out to our mamas and papas of the BEK. We have Sarah, Laura, and Dan. And then thank you, thank you to our good luck black cats, Amy, Dalen, James, Linda, Ellie, Tabitha, Jeremy, Samantha, Jerry, Celine, Sally, Annie, and Aaron. Thank you guys. Uh, and thank you to Eric Foster at Avire Digital and your team for editing this episode. We are grateful for you. And thank you to all of you for just being such great supporters and for supporting each other and for being in this spooky journey with us that has not only been encompassing of like killer ghost stories and, and awesome spooky tales, but also just this growth of a community that when Sabrina and I started the podcast, we didn't think anyone would listen at all. So just the fact yeah. that 
people listen is amazing. And then the fact that there's an entire community now of just people that are supporting each other in their personal lives beyond spooky ghost ghostly tales is also just equally mind blowing. So yes, thank you guys a lot. Thank you. And we will see you on the other side.